Welcome to this week's sermon at New City Fellowship. Followers of Jesus are a people of the book who root deep in God's word. Let's root deep and grow through engaging Holy Scripture. We're going to read some scripture, and then we're going to talk about the ascension of Jesus Christ. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus comes near and says to his disciples, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Acts 1.9, after Jesus had said this, he was taken up as they were watching. And a cloud took sight of him out of their sight. While he was going, they were gazing into heaven, and suddenly two men in white clothes stood by them. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come in the same way that you have seen him going into heaven. Ephesians 1, he, God, exercised this power in Christ by raising him from the dead and seating him at the right hand in the heavens, far above every ruler and authority and power and dominion and every title given, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he subjected everything under Jesus' feet and appointed Jesus as the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of, one who, the, fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. And then our last scripture is Hebrews 7. But because he, Jesus, remains forever, he holds his priesthood permanently. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, since he always lives to intercede for them. For this is the kind of high priest we need, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He doesn't need to offer sacrifices every day as high priests do, first for their own sins, then for those of the people. He did this once for all time when he offered himself. The word of God. Waking up every morning is hard. There was a time when I got really used to getting up early, but about three or four months ago, I was, um, man, I, I was just so tired that I would set my phone alarm and in a, that morning stupor, I would reach over and turn off the phone alarm and wouldn't even realize it. So I'd wake up like two hours after my alarm had gone off and gone, what, what happened? You know, where did the morning go? So, so what I did is I got a, an alarm clock and I put it on the other side of the room so that I can't turn it off without getting out of bed. So, you know, it's funny when that thing goes off, like my natural reaction is to like pop up out of bed. And it's a very strange feeling to get on your feet when you're not really awake. And I, re and I just, I know where the button is. I reach out and I touch the button. But then right there after that button is hit, there's like this tractor beam that's like pulling me back into bed. And so I've had to really learn how to wake up and resist that. And I'm getting better every day at it. And I, that alarm clock has helped me wake up. Um, but I think one of the things that's even more challenging than waking up 
is waking up to spiritual realities. It's easy to sort of get out of bed and just do the thing that you did the day before and not really be aware of Jesus and not be aware of where he is or what he's doing. It's hard to wake up to reality. In his book, Habits of the Household, Practicing the Story of God in Everyday Family Rhythms, Justin Whitmell Early says this, waking from sleep may be considered a given, but waking to reality is not. Listen to how he describes it. He says, when the first thing I do in the morning is roll over, grab my phone, and begin scanning work emails, I wake up, but to the monsters of performance. The story of reality is about what I can get accomplished today and whether I can justify my existence. When I begin the morning first thing in social media, I wake to comparison and envy. The story of reality is about pictures of other people's lives and whether or not I can measure up. When I begin the morning in the news headlines, fear and anger nearly jump through the screen. In my mind, the story of reality is about how the world is falling apart and how mad I should be at others who just don't get it. Or when I lie in bed recounting the day's to-do list, or when I jump up and immediately start to get the rush to get everyone out the door, I wake up to the reality of busyness. The story of reality is about how there's always too much to do and never enough time to do it. And it sure seems like all of these things are reality because it's the thing that we rehearse every morning as we get out of bed, whether it's busyness or comparison or the chaos. But what if there was a different reality, a truer reality, a real reality that we could, we could rehearse as we got out of bed that would actually bring inner peace instead of anxiety, that would bring confidence instead of fear, that would bring both rest and readiness instead of the desire just to fall back into bed and go to sleep. Well, I think that's what the Lion and the Apostles' Creed is about today, where it says, Jesus ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. We are being called to wake up to a truer true, a realer real. We're being called to wake up to the reality of who Jesus is, where he is, and what he's doing. This morning, I want to challenge you to wake up to the reality of Jesus seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. To do that, we'll have to look at three things. We'll have to wake up to the idea of another realm. We'll have to wake up to the idea of a ruler. And we'll have to wake up to the idea of a representative. So, so let's start with the, the idea of another realm. When it says that Jesus ascended to heaven, the Apostles' Creed is calling us to wake up to the reality of another realm. Now, a realm is, is a place. It's an environment. It can even be a field of interest. You could say that someone is in the realm of politics or that fish is in the realm of the ocean or she studies the realm of literature or it, helped, it happened in the realm of cyberspace. We wake up and we're in the realm of our home and we go to the realm of our work or our study and we're there with people that we know who are in the same realm. But Acts 1 reminds us that there's another realm that we cannot see and Jesus is there. While he was going, they were gazing into heaven and suddenly met two men in white robes 
stood by them, said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? And the obvious answer is because that's where Jesus just went. Jesus just ascended into heaven. He left the realm of earth and went to the realm of heaven. Now, heaven isn't just like beyond our atmosphere. There was one astronaut who went into space and said, I looked for heaven and I I couldn't find it. And that's because heaven isn't part of our universe. It's a completely different place. It's a completely different realm that if we journeyed for thousands and thousands of years, we would not be able to get to. It's God's space. It used to be that God's space and our space, heaven and earth, were combined in the Garden of Eden. But once Adam and Eve sinned, God separated himself from us. And heaven became somewhere else, somewhere that we can't get to no matter how hard we try. And now many people say, I believe heaven is just something that's made up by, I don't know, every religion, right? But, but here's the thing, there's something in us that longs for another world. I think it was C.S. Lewis who said, if you feel like you long for someplace else, it's because you were made for someplace else. There's something in our hearts that look around at this realm and say, this is not the way it's supposed to be. All the wars, all the chaos, all the division, everything in my life, this is not the way it's supposed to be. And that's the thing. Many people look at the world and go, there can't be a heaven because it's such a mess down here. But that's the whole reason it is a mess is because God has separated himself from us because of our sin. And Jesus came from heaven, the realm of heaven, to earth, and he brought God's presence and power back to our realm. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. Tim Keller mentioned it, that Christmas is about the incarnation, that Jesus comes from the heavenlies to our realm of earth. He dwells among us, God with us. And then at Good Friday, the crucifixion, Jesus dies on the cross in place of us. Jesus dies in our realm. But then in Easter Sunday, we realize that Jesus' victory over death on behalf of us. But then what do we do with the ascension? Jesus is in another realm. He's in heaven. But what does that have to do with us? The best we can kind of come up with, and even some of the disciples were like, Jesus, we really don't want you to to ascend because it means you're leaving us. But it doesn't mean that at all. Yes, Jesus is physically not present here in our realm anymore, but he is in heaven and he's ruling for us. That's the second thing that the creed points out, that Jesus is at the right hand of God. And what that means is not only do we need to wake up to the idea of another realm, we need to wake up to the idea of a ruler of the universe, King Jesus. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus says this before he tells the disciples to go. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Everything is in my care. Everything is in, under my power. Paul says it this way in Ephesians 1, 20, and 22. God exercised this power in Christ by raising him from the dead. We get that. But then what does it say? And seating him at his right hand in the heavens, 
far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion and every title given, not only in this age and the, in the age to come. In, in other words, Jesus is ruler over all. Him being at the right hand of God is a way of saying that God is flexing by putting Jesus at his right hand. Jesus is being installed as king of the universe by God the Father. Are you awake to that reality? Are you awake to that reality that when you get out of bed in the morning, your day feels like complete chaos, but Jesus is reigning and ruling at the right hand of God? Well, here's what it means. Here's what it actually looks like if we get that. If we wake up to the reality of a ruler, um, well, we won't live the Christian life just waiting for the realm of heaven. A lot of people are just like waiting to go to heaven when they die, and they're not really doing anything for the king of the universe in this world. Part of understanding that Jesus is the ruler of all things is not just waiting for the realm of heaven, but rather representing heaven on earth now. That's why in Acts 1, the angels come to the guys and they're like, what are you doing? Like, why are you staring up in the heavens? There's stuff to be done. Let's get to work. Jesus told you that on the third day he would rise from the dead and defeat sin and death and the devil. And now he's ascended to the right hand of God. And he's ruling and reigning. Don't just stand there looking at heaven. Let's do something. The disciples are given marching orders to go and make disciples. I don't want to embarrass him, but um, there's no one in this church that has talked to me more about heaven than Mr. Chris Jordan. Mr. Chris Jordan reads books on heaven. He talks about heaven to me. His wife went home to be with the Lord several years back, and he loves heaven. But this guy is not just waiting for heaven. There's no one in our church I know who is more intentional about reaching out to people who don't know the Lord than Chris Jordan. When we go to those jails, Chris Jordan is the first person in going to talk to these kids who are in the detention center because he wants to have an effect in their life. And several weeks ago, you might remember a woman named Jeannie who was part of our church for a while. She, got, she was sick and she recently passed away. And Chris asked me if I'd go over and sit with her and make sure she knew the Lord. And if her parents were, or if her kids were there, that I would share the gospel with them. And I was like, okay, you know, I'll do that, Chris. So, so I went over to Chris's house and Chris and I prayed beforehand. He's like, Pastor, you got you to share the gospel. I was like, okay. Um, not that I don't want to do that, but now I've definitely got to do that if you're telling me to do it, Chris. And so we went over and we shared the gospel with Jeannie. And it turns out she's a believer. And we're so excited because we knew that when she passed away, she'd go to be with the Lord. But then her son came around and Chris was like, all right, here we go. Let's have the conversation right now. And right there, we shared who Jesus was with her son. And he listened, and he took it all in, and who knows what God is going to do. But I thought, what a great example of a man who loves the idea of heaven. He loves the fact that he's going to spend eternity with Jesus, and with you, and with his wife. And at the same time, he's not just waiting for it. He's getting to work because Jesus is ruling and reigning at the right hand of God. We are called not just to sit here and do nothing, but rather to make disciples. The fact that Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth is given to me, here's what you do in response to that. You make disciples. You teach people to observe everything that me, the king, 
says, not me, but Jesus. That's what it means. We are to call people to commit to the king and observe what he says. N.T. Wright puts it this way. We are given the responsibility to go and make real in the world the authority which Jesus already has. So, So are you awake to the realm of heaven? And are you awake to the fact that in that realm, Jesus is king? And our job is to bring his authority into this world, live under that authority ourselves by submitting to him and obeying his commandments, but then calling other people to submit themselves to the king and follow him as well. The amazing thing about Jesus' authority is he's not an abusive authority. A lot of us, when we think about authority, we kind of cringe because we've had people of authority in our life and we don't trust it. But, but notice what Paul says about Jesus' authority. If you can go to Ephesians 1, through 23, it says that God subjected everything under his feet and appointed Jesus as head over everything. And if we pause there, we might think, oh, Paul's going to say, for God's glory, or so that everyone could know Jesus is king. But what Paul says is that Jesus has all power and all authority. Jesus is the king of the universe and he exercises his power and authority for the benefit of the church, for us. He uses his power to help us and sustain us in ways that we cannot see, in ways that we cannot comprehend as we represent him here on earth. He is in heaven representing us there. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. But if you notice, the the creed is careful to say that he's not just there, but that he actually sat down. He sat down at the right hand of the Father, which is calling us to wake up to the reality, not just of a ruler, but of our representative. Jesus, our representative in heaven. You sit down when you're done working. And Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father because his life, his death, and his resurrection were his work on behalf of us. And when he sits down at the right hand of the Father, it is his way of saying, my work for my people has been accomplished And it is God the Father's way of saying, you can sit down because I accept what you have done on behalf of your people. That's what the author of Hebrews is getting at. In Hebrews chapter seven, he says, for this is the kind of high priest, this is the kind of representative we need. Someone who's holy, innocent, undefiled, someone who's separated from sinners and at the same time, exalted above the heavens. He doesn't need to offer sacrifices for sin every day as high priests do, first for their own sins, then for those of the people. He did this once and for all when he sacrificed himself. Do you remember how at Eden, God's space in heaven and our space on earth became separate? Well, now Jesus is the one who has lived the perfect life in our space and gone back to heaven to represent us before God. The the sinless one in the presence of God. We can't represent ourselves because our lives are full of sin and brokenness, but but he becomes the go-between. 
He becomes the one who says, I know that they have sinned, but I am the sinless representative and I'm here before the throne of God on their behalf. He was the sinless one who offers himself as a sacrifice. All the priests in the Old Testament had to offer a sacrifice first for themselves to cleanse themselves, and then they could offer a sacrifice to cleanse the people from their sin. But Jesus didn't need to do that. He was the sinless one who offered himself as a sacrifice for us. And now he represents us, which means everyone in this room knows a guy. Here's what I mean by that. I don't know if you've like had the need for a plumber and you call your friend and you're like, hey, do you know a plumber? Like I need someone that's gonna come and fix this issue of my house. And your friend's like, I know a guy. Yeah, I'll hook you up. Or like, hey, I, I gotta cater this event. And the person's like, I know a guy. And they hook you up with that person. All of us now know a guy who represents us in heaven who cleanses us of our sin because of what he's done on the cross. See, you and I go, I sinned again, I'm unacceptable. But we're being reminded right now that you know a guy in heaven who is sinless, acceptable to God, and represents you. So you might get out of bed in the morning and say, I cannot measure up. I am such a complete failure. But you're being reminded right now that you know a guy who's at the throne room of God who welcomes weak and sinful people because he himself is not weak. He himself is not sinful, but he understands what it's like to be weak. You might even get out of bed and say, I can't keep going. I cannot persevere. But you know a guy who represents you in heaven and says, child, let me be your strength today. Let me encourage you. Let me send my spirit so that you can go another day. See, here's the strange thing. A lot of times we go, what the heck is Jesus doing in heaven right now? Since Jesus ascended to heaven, he has been having a 2,000 year long prayer service for his people. Now, now some of you have trouble praying for two minutes. But Jesus has been praying for us, his people, over the last 2,000 years. And it's not something that he does reluctantly. It's not something that he sets his timer on and goes, now I'm done, I've prayed enough for those people. It's something he lives for. Hebrews 7.25 says that Jesus is able to save completely those who come to God through him. Since what? He always... He always lives. He always lives to intercede. He always lives to intercede for them. When you get out of bed in the morning, wake up to the reality there is another realm. And in that realm is a king. And that king cares infinitely about you. So much so that he never stops praying for you. I wonder what it would be like to hear him. Can you just imagine maybe for a second what it might be like to hear his words of prayer over you? One of the things I love about my father is he doesn't hang up the phone anymore. So when you get off the phone, he just puts his phone down and he keeps talking. And there's occasions where I'll, I'll tell him something I'm doing and like, he'll be like, okay, it's great to talk to you. And he'll put the phone down and then I'll hear him go, 
Jenna, you'll never guess what John's doing. And he goes into this thing, I can just tell he's proud of me, you know? And so sometimes I'll just stay on and listen because he doesn't hang up the phone. But can you imagine for a moment being able to just hear the Lord Jesus pray for you? Knowing your weakness, knowing your sin, knowing that you struggle to believe and yet praying boldly with love and mercy and confidence because he is committed to you. Robert Murray McShane said this, if I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. Yet the distance makes no difference. He is praying for me. The king who rules and reigns at the right hand of the father's primary focus is on interceding for you, his people. That's not just a nice thought. It's not just wishful thinking. It is true for everyone who believes in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whether you consider yourself to be the worst Christian, whether you consider yourself to say, I am so challenged by this sinful habit that I cannot break, Jesus yet continues to pray for you. So tomorrow morning, when you wake up, would you rehearse this reality in your mind? Maybe it means that you, as the alarm goes off, you you stand up and you think for a minute, but you just say to yourself, Jesus ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. God, help me to wake up to the reality of another realm. Help me to wake up to the reality of the ruler of King Jesus. Lord, help me to wake up to the reality of my representative who never stops praying for me. What would it do if you rehearsed that reality tomorrow morning when you got out of bed? What would it do if you just grasped that a little bit more? You know, you might get out of bed and say, I am so busy, but then be reminded that Jesus is so busy praying for you. You you might get up and make your coffee and start to think about how chaotic the rulers of this world are, but then be, be reminded that there is a ruler who reigns over all rulers, and one day they will have to answer to him. You might get up and check social media and your heart might go to that comparison game, but then you're reminded that you have a representative before the Father and no one compares to him. And he loves you. This is reality. Jesus is reality. Jesus, who ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. Rehearse that reality in your mind, in your heart. Wake up to it, not just tomorrow, but every day. Be reminded of who Jesus is and where he is and what he's doing. Thank you for tuning in. Please take a minute to rate our sermon podcast. Leaving a review helps other people find us and experience the power of God's word.